All right, the children can head out, head out to Children's Church where you have a lesson all prepared just for you guys. For the rest of us, we're going to continue talking about vitality as it is our uh, theme this year. We have been talking about being transformed and being filled with power. We have been talking about um, uh, what it means to, to have faith and the supplements that we add to that faith. And we are talking right now, we are going through the spiritual exercises, the spiritual disciplines that we do not in order to be saved, but in order to grow closer to who Jesus is, to grow uh, closer to God, draw nearer to his heart. Uh, we have talked so far of the spiritual exercises of listening, discerning, meditating, and praying. Now, last week we talked about self-denial, that all of us as human beings, twice in Genesis, God says that we are built with three drives, the drive for control, the drive to procreate, and the drive to eat and drink. Those were created by God, put in us by God. And how we exercise self-denial, self-control in these areas is through serving, chastity, and fasting. That Those are what we do in order to uh, get control and demonstrate to God that uh, he has charge of our life. So I wanted to, we're going to take a moment and talk about a discipline that actually affects all the other disciplines that we have talked about, all the other exercises, and just exercise or any sort of uh, bodily health in general. Uh, we're going to talk about the topic of persistence. Persistence becomes necessary in everything and anything that we do as human beings. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have someone in your life that would look at, look at you and describe you as stubborn? Are there people who would look at you and describe you as stubborn? The funny thing is, all of us demonstrate stubbornness at some time. Now, there's two kinds of stubbornness, good stubborn and bad stubborn. What a shock, good and bad. Bad stubborn is uh, irrational, reactionary, uh, it is obstinate, and it is dismissive. I mean, it just won't listen to you, it just ignores you, it just does whatever it wants to do. That's the bad kind of stubborn. The good kind of stubborn, though, the words that we might use for it would be persistent, determined, or refusing to give up. That kind of stubborn, I want my wife to be. That kind of stubborn, I want my kid. I want them, I want all of us to be stubborn in our faith in the good way that we are committed to it, we are dedicated to it, we are fighting for it, we are going after it, and we are not going to give up in this life. Persistence is necessary in everything. Whatever it is you want to be good at, persistence is always required. The coach will tell you the team that wins is the team that wants it more. We hear that phrase, right? It's the team that wants it more. That's the team, the one that overcomes, the one that persists, the one that pushes through. If you go to the gym and you're exercising, there's a point where you hit what I would call, or most people call, the wall. The wall is the point at which your body is used to working. Past that point, it is not prepared to handle. And so when you hit that wall, everything in your body starts shutting down, telling you, you have done what I am built to do. You have to push through that wall wall in order to grow in strength, in order to become healthier. No one runs a marathon the first day they run. 
they begin a process of pushing that wall further and further and further back by running more and more and pushing through it. They become healthier and stronger. It is this way with everything in life. It does not matter. If you want to grow, you have to push through where you are. So it shouldn't surprise us. Our spiritual health, it is so similar to our physical health. We will not grow in faith. We will not grow in prayer. We will not grow in fasting. We will not grow in study. We will not grow in meditation unless we decide that when we hit that wall, we are going to push through. We're not going to be stopped. We're not going to surrender, and we're not going to give up. I went on my first date when I was a junior in high school. There was this girl that I was just so enamored with. I did not get the date with her because I was suave, stylish, smooth, or sexy. None of those things apply. I got the date with her because I was brutally, oppressively persistent. I asked her out and she said no. So I asked her out and she said no. I asked her out and she said no. I think you know where I'm going with this. I asked her out again. She said no again. After six months of doing this, I got fed up. I went and I got a sheet of paper and I wrote at the top, we, the undersigned student body of the Elkhorn Area High School, do solemnly swear that we believe it is in the interest of one Sarah so-and-so to go out on one date with Nathan Slaughter at such and such a time. And I passed that around the school and got 327 signatures. And I put it in her locker. Because I think I knew even then that was a little creepy. So I slipped it in her locker and ran. I got the date. Persistence. It was a terrible date, but I got it. Guys, look at your, if if your wife's here with you, look at her. I, I look out over the group and I know that you guys are persistent because there's no way, there's no way that you got that lady without wearing her down. It didn't happen. You know what it means to wear it down. You are beneficiaries of it. Persistence, it's a part of everything of value in this life. Everything that matters comes through persistence. Look, Proverbs 24, 16 says this about persistence. It says, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. The wicked fall how many times? Only once. Only once do they fall. Why? Is it because God doesn't, God uh, uh, protects them, they don't go through the same? No, it's because when the wicked fall, they stay down. They don't fight. But the righteous, when we fall, we stand back up. We are not going to stay on the ground. 
We are not going to accept what it is that the enemy wants from us. We will not do it. You see, the difference between the righteous and the wicked is not holiness. Because in this passage, there's only one difference between the righteous and the wicked. And it isn't whether or not they fall. They both fall. They both sin. What makes one righteous? What makes one called righteous and one called wicked? The righteous stand back up. We do not accept the sin. We do not accept the mistakes. We will not beat ourselves up. We will not belabor. We will move In Galatians 6, 9, Paul says this. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There are conditional statements like this that are through the Bible. I I hate to do English here, but it's like sometimes when we approach the Bible, we write things off. There's an if-then a statement, an if-then clause, however you want to say it. There is a principle that when there is an if, it is a conditional statement. You will reap the blessings of faith. You will reap, you will receive what it is that you are trying to accomplish if you do not give up. You give up, you will not see it. Parents, if you're waiting for someone else to teach your kids about Jesus, you're going to see it. We have got to be persistent in what matters. This passage leads us to the first point. So let's just jump right into it. The first point is this, is that persistence produces results. That's what he says. We will reap if we Do not give up. Every one of us, we've all started projects that we, we've all started projects that they they never go the way that you think they're going to go. They're never as easy as it is in your head. And it's never as cheap as they convince you at the store. So when we first moved here and we bought our house, my dad came out and we went out and we resurfaced the deck. We got that done and that was a pain. We found out it was unlaid. I mean, all I wanted to do was replace the boards. You take the boards off, everything's, I don't know what happened. It's like it, 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 it just twisted itself into, into insanity. We had to work that thing back. We had to fight it for almost a week. Finally got it done. Dad leaves. So I go out and I decide, you know what, I, I, I'm looking at our neighbors because, you know, sometimes you get the Joneses thing. And I'm, I'm like, look at all these lights. People got lights on their decks and things. I'm going to do that. So I go out and I, and, and I find the cheapest option, which obviously is always the best thing to do. I find the cheapest option and I buy the little solar light caps and I, I install them on my deck. But they're like this flimsy plastic nonsense. I put them out and, and I'm all excited. Yay. And then, and then I wait for the first night after they're sitting out in the sun. And I don't know. They, weren't, they, they all didn't get even sun, so there was, like, bright ones and dim ones, and they didn't look right. And I'm not kidding. Within a week, they, were, they, were, um, they weren't black anymore. They were this ashy, weird 
whitish gray. The sun had bleached them out. And honestly, by the time this year rolled around, I couldn't find half of them because the wind in Kansas had just taken them off of my deck and shared them with my neighbors. So I got fed up. I'm like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this right. We're going to do it like a man would do it. We're going to wire this. So I bought wire. I bought the con- power converter. You just feel manly when you say words like converter. Bought a power converter, bought the lights. I got a metal, right, so they match everything. Put it, so I get there, and, and oh, I was convinced this was going to be easy. Start working on it. Putting everything together. The, wire, the wires don't want to feed down through the posts. So, so I have to go and I have to invent, invent out of two hangers some sort of like feeder line. And so then I'm feeding the wires everywhere, put the wires together. Then I find out that my lights, that the power box is AC, but the lights are DC. And it's all going to blow up if I connect it and turn everything on. So I've got to buy something I didn't even know existed called a rectifier. That doesn't even sound nice. But I had to go buy a rectifier. And then I, I put that in. It was just obnoxious. And it took me two entire days to get this done. But I'm telling you right now, you come to my house, I'm going to show them to you. Come here. Come here. Look at these legs. These are bad. Look what, I, look what I did. Never is as easy as you think it is. It always goes further. It's always harder. But when you stick with something, you will get results. Unlike the deck, I started painting our bathroom. It's been three weeks partially painted. I'm going to tell you, if Unless I paint it, it's just going to stay that way. It doesn't just happen. You don't get half through a project and then someone just comes along and finishes it for you because they're nice. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. You've got to stick with it. You've got to push through it. You've got to make it happen. So he said that in Galatians 6, 9, about that we'll reap as long as we are sowing and continue. But here he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, your work in the Lord, is, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. This is a promise. I like promise statements. This is an absolute promise. You commit your work to the Lord. It will not return empty. The promise, the promise is not that you will see it. You may not see it. My grandfather and so many others I know spend their lives praying for their children and their children don't go to church. They don't make the confession. They aren't Christian. And then they die and something happens and they come rushing to Christ. And that that man or that woman that had prayed for their children all their life and never saw the fruit of it, the fruit still happened. It says your labor will not be in vain. I can't promise that you're going to see it, but I can promise that he will will not allow what you do in the name of Jesus to be meaningless. So push through when the enemy's in your head telling you, look, nothing's happening, no one cares, nothing's changing, the world's getting worse, people are mean. Whatever it is, ignore it. Just like when you're at the gym, every muscle is screaming out, I can't do this. This is miserable. I hate this. You got to tell those muscles, shut up. You got to keep moving, pushing through the wall. There's a, I, I want to hit this balance because there is nothing that you can do on your power to make anything happen 
Want you to understand that? I, I can't go out and be a righteous person on my own. But, but the balance is this, is because of the Holy Spirit inside of you, because of the authority that Christ has placed within you, you now do have his power and authority to go out and see results happen. I want to tell you this morning, church, if you want to make a difference, you can go make it happen. You want this church to be a great church, you can make it happen. You want to save people, you can make it happen. You can. Not because of your own power, but because of the power of the Spirit that resides in you, you can. Do not let anyone tell you that there's anything that you cannot do in the name of Jesus. You can do it all. You just have to stick The second thing is this. Perseverance reveals, perseverance, persistence, reveals truth. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I wrote that sentence, it didn't even make any sense to me. I'm like, what, what, that doesn't, what, what does persistence and revelation have? What, what does persistence and truth have to do with one another? But this is what we would probably call the homework principle. Why do teachers assign homework to students? Well, when I was a kid, I believed that it was because the teachers had miserable lives and wanted me to be miserable like they were. But it isn't. The teacher assigns you repetitive tasks in math, in the English, breaking down the structures, all of that. Because it is in pushing through. When you do not understand, when you keep wrestling with, with I mean, I can remember in trigonometry running into things, they, it didn't make any sense. And I had to keep doing, doing solution after solution after solution after solution, going to the book because I didn't understand what was happening. But then somewhere in that homework, there's a moment, aha, I got it, and it clicks. Right? We've all had that with school. It clicks, something Comes on, the aha moment, the eureka, the ah, it all lays out and we understand it now. And then all of a sudden, we're just whipping through the rest of the homework. Persistence reveals truth. If I had stopped halfway because it was too hard, I never would have had the aha moment where my brain clicked in. I got it. I understand it. And the same is true in the church. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul says, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is why Jesus constantly taught, ask, seek, knock. It's there. It's right there. All you have to do is want it. You've just got to ask for it. You just have to care enough to ask, to look, believe enough to seek. Hosea 6.3 says this. I like this one. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. What is Hosea saying? He's saying, look, God is sitting right in front of you. 
He is as present as the dawn is. We know where he is, when he is. We know what it is that he wants to be doing. If you want to draw near to him, there is not a human being that says, I don't know how to do that. All it, he is right there. All you have to do. Well, as it says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Persistence reveals truth. That shouldn't be shocking. Half of television is police shows that show us detectives that have to continually push through evidence to figure something out. We love it. But those crimes wouldn't get solved if they didn't push through it. They did. The truth is revealed in the persistence. Persist. Don't give up. Seek the truth. Third one. Persistence motivates God. That sounds rough, right? I, I, I really, I had a problem writing that. That one bothered me when I wrote it down because I'm sitting there going, really? We can move God. We can motivate. But then you've got to realize the word motive means just to give someone a reason. Uh, a motive is a reason to do something. And when we motivate God, we are giving him a reason to do something. So I want to say this. In your faith right now, convince God. Convince God to take you seriously. Show him that you mean it. I love Quinn. He's cute. Every couple of days, if not every day, though, he comes to me with something he saw on TV, something he saw in a store, something he saw somewhere, and he goes, Dad, I want that. And I go, mm-hmm, all right, well, let's, let's, we'll hold on to that. And I say that, I say that because I know that he... He won't hold on to it because he'll never remember that he asked for it. He didn't really want it. It was just something. It was just an impulse he saw, and he's like, oh, I'd like that, Dad. Can I have that? No. We could go into a store. Seriously, he'd be like, Dad, I want that. And I could say, oh, but what about that over there? That looks better. Yeah, Dad, I want that. No, what, what, what about this over here? I mean, I could ping pong him around that store, and he would have no idea what it was he wanted. He'll tell me everything he wants. I mean, just he wants everything. So I don't take him seriously at all. How many of us? Go to our Father in heaven. Listen, there's a reason he calls himself a father and then introduces us to parenthood. What do you think it means when we just go and lob weird off-the-wall requests at God? We just throw one-offs at them and just hope they stick. I mean, that's kind of how we handle prayer, isn't it? Having a good meeting. Help me. And I'm not discouraging prayer. I'm just saying, lobbing prayers as grenades, hoping they hit God, isn't effective. Persistence is. Just like, just like with Quinn, I'm like, okay, yeah, you want that big deal. You won't even remember in a minute. I think God, I, I honestly, I really do. I think God's the same with us. He just looks and goes, okay, you won't even remember this in a minute. You're not even going to ask me twice for this. It's not important to you. It's not important to me. Give God a reason to take you seriously. Now, unlike Quinn, I have Isabella. She is a bucket of stubborn. Good stubborn. 
a year ago, she comes to me and says, Dad, I want a hedgehog. Talking about hedgehog. It's nonsense. I said, no, we're not going to have any more animals in the house. This is ridiculous. So a little while later, she comes and she says, I want a hedgehog. I said, I'm not buying a hedgehog. So she was quiet. Came up a couple of months later. Dad, I have $400 saved up. I wanna, I've got enough money for the hedgehog. For the, I've got the case. I, got the, I can get the food. I'm ready to good to go. I said, I don't, fine. I don't care. You're not going to buy a hedgehog. Or if you buy a hedgehog, it's not staying in my house. So she went on. Then homework started coming in from the school. And during her writing assignments were studies on hedgehogs. The maintenance and care of hedgehogs. Why hedgehogs make good pets. Months later, Come out, and on my pillow is a book that she's written and illustrated that tells the wonderful story of a hedgehog's life at our house. Illustrations of the hedgehog sleeping on our dog's back. Hedgehogs with no odor lines above them because they don't stink apparently. That's persistence. It's been a year. Oh, the PowerPoint, thank you. That's even... What? PowerPoint shows up in my email. No, come on been a year. Am I a godly father? You can get your hedgehog. Yep. Yes. I am pathetic. There's just a point where you go, this person really wants, this, is, this, is, this isn't just some joke. This is a real kind of thing. Persistence. Now, Jesus tells, he tells two stories. I'm going to read the one that you're probably not most familiar with. It's from, uh, uh, they're both from Luke, but Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, it says this. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will God not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? 
Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And just chapters later, he tells a, 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 a different story where he says a, a man has a guest show up at his house, but he has no food to give him. And that's not, that's not good. That's not hospitable. So he goes to his neighbor's house, and he bangs on the door. He says, hey, I've, I've had a, a visitor show up. I need some food. And the guy yells from his window. He goes, no, I'm, I'm already dressed for bed. I'm in bed. I'm, come back tomorrow. He, he keeps knocking on the door. No, no, I need it now. And Jesus said, he said, look, because he is annoyed beyond belief, that guy will get up, get dressed, come down, and hand food to that man just to shut him up. Now, Jesus' point is not that we have a God that is up there that we are supposed to annoy into compliance. His point is, if wicked men like this judge, uncaring neighbors, if they by persistence can be pushed, if they by persistence can be motivated, how much more so your Father in heaven who loves you Show him that you are serious. Show him that what you need matters and go to him. Go to him and tell him and do not give up. Do not stop. You keep going. Jesus said, hey, whatever you ask for in my name, if you believe, you have it. Most of us have this opinion, that prayer doesn't work. You won't say that out loud. You won't say it out loud because you know that that's not the right answer. But in your heart, that's what you really think. I know that because that's been my default in life. I pray for something. Pray for help, pray for a need, and there's no answer. And I take the lack of an answer as a no. And God does say no. I want to clarify that. He does say no. But I think it isn't that God isn't answering prayer. I think it's that we aren't taking it seriously enough If you knew for a fact that if you started praying right now for a million dollars, at some point you'll get it. I can't tell you when. It will happen. And I'm not saying that, by the way. I'm just laying, <laughs> throwing that out as an example. If you really believe that, you would do it every day. You wouldn't miss one you would be persistent. Whatever you ask for in my name, believe that it is yours. We need to pray like that. We need to pray with that kind of persistence, that kind of tenacity. Our God cannot be annoyed. If you need something, Ask, seek, search, 
find, go after it, make it happen. Not by your power, but by the power of God that has been placed within you. Go and do it. Last thing. Persistence accesses power. Persistence accesses power. I want to read you a story. It's one of my favorites. From 2 Kings chapter 2, the first 12 verses. Elijah has been doing his prophecy work listening, receiving the word of the Lord and sharing it, and he's had a companion with him, a apprentice, if you will, named Elisha. Elijah's ministry is wrapping up. Here's what it says. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel, they came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Uh, Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted uh, to one side and to the other, until the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they, as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. You want to talk about some persistence. There's some persistence going on in this story. Why did Elisha receive a double portion of Elijah's spirit? Why did he go on to become probably one of the most powerful prophets of God that ever lived? There's two reasons. One. When everyone told him it was over, he didn't accept it. What do I mean by that? He knew, he knew, he knew that God was taking Elijah. 
And Elijah kept saying, stay here. It's over. His, his master was releasing him from his obligation. Stay here. And his response is, no, as long as you live, I'm going with you. And at every place, so three times he tries to get him to stay. Elijah says, please, just, just stay. I don't know if he didn't want the goodbye or the sorry. I don't know what he wanted, but he, he said, stay. And three times Elijah said no, or Elisha said no. In each of the places, Bethel, Jericho, in each of these places, all of the other prophets come out, and they go to him, and they go, hey, they're basically saying, you need to understand this. They're looking at him and going, God's taking your master today. Why are you? It's over. It's over. It's done. And he looks at them and he says, I know it. Be quiet. He's not going to be distracted. He is going to persist until the end. He will not leave him. And then when they get there on the other side of the Jordan, Elijah looks at him and says, "What, what can I do for you? What do you want? And he said, give me a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah is shocked. That's got to be a lot to a guy who talks directly to God and receives visions of all kinds of angelic nonsense. That he looks and he's shocked. And he goes, whoa, hey, Elisha, that's, uh, that's a little thick. That's a little much. But he gets it. He gets it because he never stopped. And he asked. Church, what are we missing out on? What are we missing out on? Because we hear the voice, maybe maybe of well-meaning Christians, other prophets who are saying, it's over, it's okay, you can be done. And, and we accept it. We just go, oh, okay, that's the way it is. Or when, when we ask, well, one, we don't, why aren't we asking God for difficult things, things that would shock Elijah? Why aren't we asking for those things? I mean, let's get ridiculous. And why, why do we listen when people say, wow, what you want to do, what you feel called, what you want, that's just too big even for God. Why do we listen to them? Oh. Our faith has been pigeonholed by so many voices that tell us what isn't possible. And we need to be like Elisha who looks through all of that. Who knows what he wants and will not stop until he gets it. And he goes after. How do you get wisdom? Scripturally, how do you get wisdom? You ask How do you get righteousness? You ask. How do we get guidance? We ask. How do we get boldness? We ask. How do we get power? We ask. And now James tells us, 
you do not have because you do not ask. I'm done with mediocrity. I'm done with the man-made limits that have been placed upon faith and upon my God. I'm done. I serve a God that can do anything. I serve a God who has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of you, for myself, for my children. He has a plan. And I'm going to fight till the day I die to see that done. Christianity is not a roller coaster ride that we, we get on and it, it takes us on a fun, exciting journey. It's a march. We're moving. I encourage you this morning to throw off, that was kind of Bostonian y, throw off, throw off all of the limitations that have been placed on your God. Anything that says He can't should never, ever be allowed in your mind again. I don't care what it is can't. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And if you seek, he will. And so God sends out the invitation to you this morning. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all my heart, with all your heart. I want to read one last scripture as the, as the band comes up. First Timothy 6.12, I want you to hear this as if Paul were saying it to you. He's saying it to Timothy as if he's saying it to you this morning. Listen, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That thing that you confessed to believe, that thing that you claimed It's time to grab it, and it's time to take hold of it, and it's time to fight, and it's time to push, and it's time to make things happen. Not because you have the power, but because he has placed his power in you. If you feel him calling you this morning, it's obvious the water's ready. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation together.